Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. So, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know that there's been a huge amount of talk lately about AI and what it might mean for our working lives. But what might it mean for the economy and just how disruptive is this new technology? I'm delighted now to be joined by economist Cormac Lucy and also by our regular tech guru, Andy O'Donoghue. Good morning to you both, gentlemen. Morning, Bobby. Bobby. Cormac, I might start with you because you were writing um, in your newspaper piece last week about this. Um, Really, I suppose the essence of your article was that uh, 60% of workers uh, that are employed in occupations today, those occupations didn't exist in 1940, but also that this is going to be a huge, huge disruptor, but some will be affected more, like uh, legal, admin, but if I'm a builder or a waiter, it may not hurt me as hard. That's true. Well, well, firstly, just to make it clear, we're talking about artificial intelligence rather than artificial insemination. <laughs> uh, That's a very important point. And, 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 and really, it, 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 it's machines that are able to think for themselves and that are able to uh, process data and come to conclusions much faster than we as humans can process data. And it's, it's, it's machines that can learn to learn. And the, the, whereas previous industrial revolutions have hit manual tasks you know they've automated manual tasks and therefore they've had the biggest effect in uh, disrupting manual jobs so you know 200 years ago pretty much everybody was working in agriculture now it's a tiny fraction of people who work in agriculture uh, this revolution is going to disproportionately hit office uh, mental intellectual tasks that machines may be able to learn to do quicker and better than, than we can. And in, in a recent study done by Goldman Sachs, that they separated out the impact they think this will have on all uh, employment. So they reckon that 25% of all jobs uh, are exposed to automation by AI in the United States. But that's as high as 46% for office and administrative support and 44% for legal and it goes all the way down to as, as little as 1% for building and grounds, cleaning and maintenance. So this revolution is likely to disrupt the the elements of the workforce that have been least disrupted in the past. Uh, and that could cause considerable dislocation. And before we bring in Andy Cormack, you know, is it, it like the fact that in the previous industrial revolutions that you mentioned, uh, the industrial revolution itself the you know the invention of the computer like those people found other work so we just don't know maybe what that work is so should we be that concerned because there'll always be a need for humans to interact and to earn money somehow no i think so i mean we we you know you and i would be of a generation and we have experienced the uh, computing revolution uh, and we would have experienced connect, the connectivity revolution. So all of those things have had, you know, I, I write a, a newspaper column for the Sunday Times, but, you know, print newspapers are going out of fashion and they're being replaced by information conveyed by, uh, you know, o- over the Internet. So there's always change taking place in the background. I suppose the question is, A, how do we manage the change? And is there is, is the scale of disruption 
worryingly high to the extent that it becomes a, a political issue. And secondly, and this I think is the, is, is the harder question to answer, are we going to end up seeing humans replaced on this planet as the cleverest, most capable animal uh, around? Are, are, are we at risk of, of spawning a kind of a brave new world where, where the machines take over? Yeah. Andy, um, you believe that there's huge potential around uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, the McKinsey report, I think, is citing 13 trillion dollars of new global activity by by 2030 which is going to be driven largely by artificial intelligence so are you broadly optimistic about this change uh, i'm i'm very optimistic bobby and um, just it's interesting cormac has a that statistic about 60 percent of today's workers doing jobs that didn't exist in 1940 if you extrapolate that out it implies that more than 85% of employment growth in the last 80 years is probably down to technology-driven job creation. And so <clears throat> when you talk about growing up in an era, um, you know, say even 30 years ago, um, we had jobs that were related to technology, but the specialities and the specifics were completely different. I grew up with the internet, but when I started working in the technology business, there was no World Wide Web. Um, and so, you know, there were no web designers. There were, you know, there were none of the jobs connected to those elements of the industry. <clears throat> what we see now with um, artificial intelligence um, driven economic activity is the opportunity not just and I think one of the things that um, both McKinsey and Goldman Sachs have have done fascinating research on the sectors that might be affected and the GDP increases. But I think there is also a hidden benefit that we might forget about because we're so focused on, you know, many of us are sort of, you know, we, we deal with that friendly AI or apocalyptic AI, and that's all we think about. Whereas the impact for society um, more broadly and also economics is incredible. I mean, you were talking with Gina about um, um, cyber crime and the potential for AI to reduce cyber and banking crime is vast. As a result, that will save banks money. It will save customers money. Um, which is a positive thing. But if you look at something like healthcare, which I think is one of the truly, uh, truly um, diamonds within the AI world, is the ability for artificial intelligence to complete various tasks is remarkable. And say Palantir, um, Peter Thiel's AI company, they have a contract with the NHS. And essentially that work is about reducing um, um, the waiting lists. In Ireland, we have, say, um, similar uh, waiting lists as the UK. But if you look at something like dermatology and the work that's been done in AI helping um, in, in dermatology diagnosis, you, it, the benefit is twofold. One, there are better out, outcomes for the patients, and that is the best news. But the second benefit is that we reduce waiting times, we use doctors more efficiently, there is less travel, there is less unneeded um, yeah. ex examinations. And so society and government coffers benefit as well. So the benefits, Bobby, are far deeper than we may think initially. And Cormac, back to you, is there a danger that, you know, really, if we look at uh, countries with bad infrastructures, say uh, sub-Saharan Africa that can't connect to a cloud service uh, where AI would be driven from, that we'd end up with two societies 
you know, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Is that potentially an issue here? It's potentially an issue. But if we look at revolutions that have happened already, if we look at air travel, uh, which Ryanair has largely revolutionized in this country, it's not so much Ryanair shareholders that have been the beneficiaries of that, although they have han- they, you know, they've benefited handsomely. He, Ryanair has made air travel cheap and available to everybody. And AI promises to do the same as long as there is sufficient competition between those who are promoting and developing AI. In most of these revolutions, the benefits don't go to the operators. The benefits go to the consumers in the form of cheaper prices and more, a more available range of goods and services. Yeah, yeah. And Andy, do you, do you feel that, you know, that when we talk about the displacement of jobs, do you feel that maybe somebody working in technology or working as a solicitor or working in administration, that this is a kind of a, a call to action to retrain in some way that one would be, I suppose, job ready for when the change comes? I think so, Bobby. And I think, I mean, there's certainly a lesson in history from this. It's just over 200 years ago that the Luddites started breaking the stocking frame machines and that, you know, those violent actions went on for about five or six years. And you made the point that um, humans were pretty adaptable. And so we need to look at new opportunities. But I wouldn't be I, I, I wouldn't be fearful because. You know, when we look at the industries that will be effective and legal and finance are two, um, it's the repetitive elements of those industries that get affected. Um, Contract and uh, spreadsheet analysis, all of those things that are easy to do for a machine. But what the impact of that is, is it means that the lawyer or the accountant who previously used to do that work, and they tend to be um, younger, newer staff, it means perhaps that they need to look at or companies need to help them look at, well, how do I program the AI to find uh, new opportunities for this company within that? In the case of something like, say, the revenue commissioners or the Department of Social <coughs> Welfare, um, it will be down to the individuals in those organizations to say, well, I tell you what we can do now. We can identify fraud, save taxpayers money and save the government money. And so those people who may feel at threat of being displaced can actually then go on to create a tremendous contribution in the long term development of those systems. Yeah. Well, listen, it's a fascinating subject. It's one we'll return to. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Cormac Lucy, economist Cormac Lucy, and tech guru Andy O'Donoghue. Thank you uh, for your input and analysis on what really is a fantastic subject. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.